Hello, and welcome to the Quest Church San Diego Sermon Podcast. Our church has a passion to reach people who are far from God, teach them to follow Jesus, and launch them out to serve God in the world. If you're in the San Diego area, we'd love for you to join us for a service. Please visit questsd.com to learn more about us, find out service times, and explore our ministries. If you have any questions, send us an email at info at questsd.com. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy today's message. You might have also noticed that we've got name badges, and that's just uh, one way for us to encourage uh, all of us to get to know each other's names, uh, to strengthen friendships and relationships here in the church, and to build community. And it's a little new for us. It's not something that we do all the time. And we're going to be doing this kind of name badge sort of thing for the month of January, as I said so that we can learn each other's names and get connected. Because also, one of the cool things is we study prayer, and we're going to be looking at uh, one specific theme of the Lord's Prayer through the month of January. So all five Sundays in January, we'll be studying the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6. And at the end of each service, we're going to have an opportunity, just five minutes, to break up into small groups and to pray. And you might be thinking, okay, great, you got me here today, but I'm not coming back next week to be in those small groups. No, listen, hear me out. It's a great time for us to really just seek the Lord, to pray, to be together as a church body. And this really actually started a couple of months ago, actually, for me, um, when the Lord planted a seed in my heart as we were going through the study in the Gospel of Mark. And you remember when Jesus, he went into the temple uh, during his last week on earth. He went into the temple and he looked around And he inspected the church. He inspected the temple and all the activities that were going on there. And then he went back to his place and the next day he went in and he cleaned all the things out that were not pleasing to God in the temple. And he said, my house will be called a house of prayer. And it started um, a little seed in my heart to not only personally, but also corporately as a church to lean into this rhythm of prayer And if you're anything like me, you would acknowledge that your prayer life, my prayer life, our prayer life isn't where it should be. In fact, um, you know, when you look at the Gospels and you read through the story of Jesus' life and ministry, the effectiveness of Jesus' ministry was rooted in his um, unceasing prayer. The scriptures say that Jesus often withdrew to lonely places to pray. And what we find here in Matthew chapter 6 is that Jesus is giving the most famous sermon of all. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. And in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is talking about the character and the lifestyle of a follower of Jesus Christ, of a disciple. And that character and lifestyle looks completely different than what the world would say that you are supposed to look like and how you're supposed to live and how you're supposed to think and how you're supposed to act. And in this Sermon on the Mount, Jesus chooses to prioritize two things. One is prayer, And the other is fasting. And in chapter 6, we're going to read through these verses this morning, but also at the end of chapter 6, he talks about prayer. So that tells me that prayer is a very important and vital component to the rhythm and uh, to the lifestyle of a follower of Jesus. And you might be thinking, well, why do people pray? And why do Christians pray? And there's probably a lot of different uh, answers to that. And there's good answers and probably some bad answers. Well, you might say that, well, it's a command, so I'm obligated to pray. Jesus said, I got to pray, so I got to pray. And that sounds more like 
something harsh than a joy to do in prayer. Well, maybe we pray to get stuff from God. We approach God like a genie in a bottle and we think that, well, if we pray, then we get what we, what we want. And, and the scriptures tell us that God will provide for our needs um, and, uh, and not all of our wants. Uh, maybe an answer to why Christians pray is to get more peace in life. Well, there might be some truth to that. But uh, many other different forms of religion have meditation to get more peace in their life. We definitely experience the peace of God when we quiet and calm our lives down and pray and seek the Lord, uh, but also listen to his voice. How about to tell things to God? Well, the scripture says that God knows all things, right? And he knows the things that we're going to talk about even before we ask. And so in prayer, we're not breaking news to God. We're bringing news to God, right? We're not breaking anything as far as some things that he doesn't know. Of course, he knows all things. Well, I would suggest to us that as we go through this series in prayer and as we reconsider the the freshness of prayer in our lives and and maybe even ask the question, how is my prayer life? Is is it existing? (laughs) Um, Is it where it was back when I first accepted Christ? Or are there areas of my prayer life that can be um, renewed and refreshed? This new year is a great opportunity to lean in to prayer because when Jesus in Luke chapter 11, um, Jesus was asked by his disciples. In fact, the disciples were watching Jesus pray. And as I mentioned earlier, Jesus often was praying and practicing prayer with his disciples. And as they were watching Jesus pray, they waited for him to finish, and then they asked him an important question. Lord, teach us to pray. Now, they didn't ask Jesus, Lord, teach us how to pray. And that's the question that I probably would have asked. Lord, I want to know all the mechanics. I want to know the words. I want to know, like, how do I pray? But the actual question in the original language here in Luke 11 is that they're saying, Lord, teach us to be praying people. To pray without ceasing. In fact, the scripture says that that's one of the wills of God for our lives. To be thankful and to be praying without ceasing. And so I would suggest that prayer is is not meant to inform God as we read these verses. It says, your heavenly father knows that you need these things. So prayer is not meant to inform God, but to transform us. And as we read through the Lord's Prayer, which is probably something you learned maybe early on if you have Sunday school experience growing up. Uh, it's a very famous passage. You probably memorized it. I think it's a great scripture to memorize uh, as we look at our heavenly Father who art in heaven. Holy is your name. Your kingdom come. Right? These, these very familiar phrases of prayer. But Jesus is not teaching so much the words of prayer, but the manner of prayer and the principles of prayer and the themes of prayer. And that's really what I want to focus on over these next five weeks. And so the The theme that we're going to look at today is adoration. So looking at the Lord's Prayer in adoration. And what we see in the beginning of the Lord's Prayer is that prayer reveals God's prominent position over our petitions. Now what I mean by that is that you don't see Jesus rushing into the throne room of heaven and just pouring out all of his petitions, meaning his requests, or his supplications. Now, prayer includes supplication. We'll get to that, actually. Give us our daily bread. That's a prayer of supplication, meaning for our needs, our daily needs. Uh, But we're also included in prayer is intercession. So intercession is praying on behalf of other people. 
There's prayers of deliverance or of protection as well. There's prayers of submission. We're going to look at all of these themes. But uh, we don't see prayer open up that way in the manner that Jesus teaches his disciples of being praying people. It opens up with adoration. And the prominent position of God over and before the petitions that we bring to him. So um, we see a couple of encouragements here as, uh, as Jesus begins to teach his disciples to pray. So uh, hopefully you're in Matthew chapter 6. We're going to begin in verse 5 because there's a, a couple of issues that Jesus deals with before he gets to the Lord's Prayer. And in verse 5, Jesus says, and when you pray. Everyone say when. Oh boy, that's a really important word. When you pray. In fact, this phrase is going to be used three times in just a cup in three verses. And so whenever you see repetition, specifically uh, detailed repetition, that requires us to pay attention. And uh, this repetition in the scriptures means that we should take heed and understand that when you pray, I guess the question is, are we praying people? When we pray, not if you pray. So the question isn't if you pray, but when you pray. Now Jesus will use that same phrase later on in verse 16 and 17, and when you fast. So uh, there is an expectation of the rhythm of a disciple described in the Sermon on the Mount as a person who regularly sets aside time to seek God in prayer as well as to fast. Now, biblical fasting always includes the elimination of food consumption. There was no social media, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to fast from Netflix this week. That's a little soft. That's a little easy. How about if you have never fasted from food, Jesus says when you fast. So he's saying you should be fasting from food in seasons and periods of your life so that you can deny the urges of the physical flesh in order to seek the spiritual truth of God in your life. And so he says when you pray. It's expected of disciples to have a rhythm of seeking God in prayer. You shall not be like, notice the negatives, like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. So we have a warning against hypocrisy in prayer. But when you pray, so this is the alternative. When you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in secret, in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetition. Here's the second negative of prayer of what the hypocrites do. They use vain repetition in the words that they speak. For they think they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask of him. Everyone say need. I think that's an important word to highlight. Need is different than our wants. And as a heavenly father, he knows the needs of his kids. In this manner, verse 9, in this manner, therefore pray. Now, notice what Jesus says here, in this manner. Not using these words. Now, that's not to say that you cannot pray using these specific words. I do it, but 
Jesus is not saying that every single time that you pray, you have to pray, Our Father who art in heaven, holy is your name. Jesus is saying in this manner. So he's going below the surface of the words and is bringing to the surface themes that should be included in the prayers of those who are followers of Jesus. And the first that we see today is our Father in heaven, holy is your name. There is this focus and emphasis on adoration and worship because of the position that God has in our lives. But before we get there, let me make mention of a couple things. First is the hypocrisy. And the hypocrisy that Jesus warns against in the attitude of coming to God in prayer. Basically, Jesus is saying that pride is a major obstacle to prayer. The Bible says God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. He's talking about the hypocrites. Now, who do you think Jesus is talking about? Well, we know throughout the Gospels, the hypocrites that Jesus refers to are the religious leaders and rulers who say one thing but act a completely different way. Their words are not matching up with their actions, and that is the simplest form of hypocrisy. And in these opening verses, Jesus describes two things. One, they're boasting, and second, they're babbling. They're boasting about being seen by other people. They desire to be up in front, to be up on a platform, to be standing in front, to be seen by other people as more spiritual because of the words that they use or the way that they pray. Now, that's not to say that you can't have somebody standing up in front of other people and praying. In fact, we do that every single Sunday. So it's not about the position or somebody who is standing. It's about the heart. It's about the motive. And the motive for the hypocrite is that they want to be seen by other people as more important, as more spiritual. You see, God is not impressed with lofty eloquence or positions of power among men. He's not impressed with these sort of things, but he is impressed with lowly obedience, with humble obedience, with lowly surrender to God. And anybody can come to God because the scripture says in the book of Hebrews that now as Jesus, who is our mediator, can come boldly into the throne of grace to obtain mercy and help in time of need. We have access to the throne room of help through prayer because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. So there's this boasting, but there's also this babbling. And this babbling is all the words and uh, all these fluffy, important, eloquent words that people are saying in approaching God in prayer. And what Jesus is saying here about the many words and the vain repetition is that prayer has less to do with the mouth and more to do with the heart. Prayer has less to do with the words that we speak and more to do with the position of our heart before the Lord. And uh, so what we see here is a warning in the opening verses. Jesus warns against a hypocritical attitude in prayer. But there's an alternative. Notice that there is a warning not to be like this. Don't be prideful and boastful and, and, and think that you will be heard for your many words. Uh, well, Jesus hears. Jesus knows all the things that we say, even before we say them. So the alternative is to come and to approach God humbly. And that's kind of the second point here, through humility. Jesus welcomes a humble approach to prayer. And uh, in the alternative, 
We are coming to God, according to what Jesus says here, secretly and simply. That's the alternative in prayer. In secret, Jesus says, well, go behind closed doors and pray. And you might be thinking, aha, here is my, here is my exit out of those small groups after service. You said that I pray behind closed doors, not in public. Well, listen, this is true in some instances, but it's not true of all of the scriptures because if you look at the early church and you look at Jesus with his disciples in the upper room and you look at the disciples in the book of Acts, they were gathered together in groups of prayer and God was actually answering their corporate prayers on the spot in delivering Peter from jail, Peter comes to the house where they were having a prayer meeting corporately together in a small group gathering, and God answers prayer. So uh, that's not your exit out of small groups, but uh, there is something to be said about the privacy of prayer, and that is that the point of prayer is not to be seen by men, but heard by God. Not to be seen by people, but heard by God. And that reveals to us a conversation that we can have with God. And the Bible says God inclines his ear to those who are calling out to him. Jeremiah 33.3 says that call unto me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things that you do not know. So God is listening and God is hearing and this really uh, is connected to the nature of God as our heavenly Father. It's a relationship that we have with him. So not only is God listening and hearing, and a great example of this, of being away in a quiet place, is to remove the distractions. Because there's a lot of distractions. There's a lot of things that can distract us from focusing in and from bringing our requests to God. And so he hears in those moments of not being distracted. You know, as Jesus was talking about the hypocrites, they love to stand in front of other people. But in these scriptures, we're told that God loves to see people kneel in front of him. And as we kneel, as we surrender, as we take this posture of submission to him in prayer, then he's hearing, he's heeding, he's leaning into those simple prayers. And I love that uh, we're encouraged not to use vain repetition or all kinds of fluffy, fancy words because oftentimes the most effective prayers are the least expressive. The most effective and most powerful prayers are the least express expressive. Sometimes we don't have the words. In fact, the scriptures tell us that the Holy Spirit was given to us to intercede for us in prayer with moans and groans that words cannot express for the things that we don't even know we ought to be praying for. Aren't you thankful that we've been given the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us in prayer? The least expressive. Sometimes you can't come up with the words and sometimes it's just an emotional thing or sometimes it's a very simple cry for help. Lord, help. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. And you sense the presence of God and the peace of God and the leading and the guidance of God. Prayer, effective prayer, does not have to be eloquent, full of great fancy theological terms. It's a normal conversation that we have with our Heavenly Father. And that brings us to this first opening stanza of the Lord's Prayer. In verse 9, Jesus says, In this manner, therefore pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed or holy be your name. I think you can break up each one of these words and just focus in on the significance of what Jesus is saying. First is the plural pronouns, our. 
In fact, if you read through the rest of the Lord's Prayer, you'll see he mentions this plural pronoun multiple times. Our Father who art in heaven. You see, prayer is a simple, but also, listen, shared experience and activity of God's people. That prayer was intended for us to acknowledge our mutual connection together as the family of God. And as we focus as the family of God, being adopted into the family of God because of the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, we are now brothers and sisters in the family of God. And as we are a part of the family of God, there is this one another, that we pray for one another, that we encourage one another, that we build up one another. And so Jesus wants us to focus in on the heavenly appreciation of our prayers. And this heavenly appreciation lifts us upward. First, we see that there is this faithfulness of God to provide for our needs. He knows the things that we have need of even before we ask. So in prayer, Jesus promises to meet our needs, not our greeds. Whatever those needs are, not the greeds, not the wants, not the desires, that our flesh wants, but the needs that God as a heavenly father knows that we need. And he is faithful to provide for those needs. In fact, Jesus goes on to say in the Sermon on the Mount, don't worry about what you'll eat or what you will wear or where you will live for your heavenly father knows that you need these things, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. And so there is this shared relationship our father in heaven i guess we could pause on the word father and really recognize the intimacy and the relationship that we have with god he is a loving he is an active and he is a caring father and if you're a father you know that you'll do anything for your kids if you're a parent you know that you'll do anything for your kids you'll lay down your life you want to protect them and help them. You want them to be successful, even beyond your success in life. But you also know that in order to develop godly character, that there's discipline. And just because you discipline your child as a parent does not mean that you don't love your child. In fact, it shows that you love them even more. And the Bible says God disciplines those he loves. Now, I don't know what kind of family you grew up in or what your family experience was growing up. And it could have been very difficult or uh, very hard, or it could have been joyful. I don't know. But it's very hard for us sometimes to equate the family of God with the family that we have in human relationships because we think that, well, they're very similar. But, or even your relationship with your father. It might be strained or it might be difficult, or maybe you never even knew your father. But I want to encourage you today that as we read through our Father, Jesus is focusing us in the beginning of our prayers and recognizing the worship and adoration of God, that he is a Father who loves. He is a good Father. He is a faithful Father. And sometimes as a good and faithful Father, he's going to step in and he's going to spank you from time to time, meaning he's going to discipline you because he wants to develop in your heart and in your life godly character that would reflect the person of Jesus Christ. And that's not going to be comfortable and it's not going to be easy. But as a heavenly father, he's also going to teach you. He's going to love you. He's going to shepherd you. 
He's going to help you. He is faithful and active in your life as an intimate father. So this speaks of relationship. Christianity is something, biblical Christianity is something completely different than other religions in the sense that uh, there's not tradition and rules and regulations. And if I follow these rules, well, then I'm on good terms with God or he's going to love me or I've earned his approval. Maybe you've been trying to earn your earthly father's approval for a long time and you think that now I got to earn my heavenly father's approval. Well, that's not the case when it comes to the scriptures. The scriptures tell us that God loves you with an everlasting love and that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. This is the love of the father and if ever you want to look at the love of the father, read the parable of the son who ran away from his father and squandered all the things of his life, the prodigal son, and uh, just ran his life into a ditch but he remembered that his father was really gracious and he went back to his father thinking that maybe he'll forgive me, maybe he'll accept me. And when his father saw that his son was coming, he saw him from afar off, he ran to him and threw a coat on him and put a ring around it on his finger and, and celebrated that his son who was once dead and lost has now been returned and found, which is a beautiful picture of the, the love of God that no matter how far we wander or walk away from God or disobey him or, or ruin our lives, Our lives are never ruined beyond repair. When the Father comes in to work and to to love and to fix and to mend and to heal that relationship. We talked about this in our study in the Gospel of Mark. That Jesus as the servant Savior has come to reconcile our relationships with God. It's an intimate relationship. You do not need to earn your heavenly Father's approval. He has already proved that on the cross through sending his son, Jesus Christ. If you receive simply by grace through faith, then there is this relationship. And in that relationship, our heavenly, notice the words that are being used, our father in heaven. Notice that Jesus points our attention upward. And uh, really the control of God over all things. And I've said it before and it's just something that I kind of go back to from time to time. That anything that is over our heads is still under God's feet. I just love that. It just reminds me because oftentimes I feel like I'm drowning or I'm suffocating or I'm just going below uh, the waters, the turbulent waters of life. And it feels like, wow, this is too big for me. It's over my head. I can't handle it. And as a man, I'm trying to fix it. I'm trying to make everything right. I'm trying to put everything in order. But sometimes we can't fix everything. We can't put everything in order. And, And that's In those moments of life where the prayers are the simplest and the most desperate, where we say, God, I need you in this moment. And we're reminded, our Father who loves us, who is working out all things in our lives for our good, even though it might not look good to us, our Father knows that as a Father we say, don't touch that, son, because it's going to burn you. Well, if you want to touch it, you're going to get burned. You're going to learn the hard way but a father is, not, is going to step in and say, don't touch that, it's going to hurt you. And our father in heaven is saying, don't go there, don't do that, don't look at that, don't touch that, it's going to hurt you. And you know what? Sometimes we look, sometimes we touch, sometimes we go. But our heavenly father says, it's okay, I love you. I forgive you and I'm with you. And those things that are just turning you over and over in your bed at night, because they're worrying you 
and you can't stop thinking about it and you haven't had more than three hours of sleep because your heart skips a beat. There's a palpitation. There's an anxiety attack. There's a fear and there's a worry that happens and it just hits you. Let me encourage you, if you might be experiencing some of those emotions today, in prayer, our Father who is in heaven, he'll calm those nerves and those worries and those things that are over your head right now are still under God's feet. They're still under his control. We surrender. That is a beautiful thing of prayer. Our Father in heaven, notice at this point, we haven't even got to saying, God, I need you. God, I'm so desperate. God, would you take this thing away? God, would you fix this? We haven't gotten there yet. We've just said, God, oh, you're so beautiful. You're so in control. I can trust you. You are a father who is in heaven. And notice one last thing. You are holy. Jesus weighs God's holy attributes in prayer. Jesus says that God is set apart and holy. That God's power, that God's purity roots him in the ability to provide for all that is needed. That God who is holy and on the throne and in control and over all things and orchestrating the events of our lives, the bumpy things, the good things, the peaceful things, the chaotic things. He is the one who is holy and pure, altogether separate, and we can trust him. And because of that, notice the word there, hallowed. You see that word? Hallowed or holy. It um, displays the characteristic and the attribute of purity with the expectation of worship and praise. So in God's character and nature of his holiness, it implies, and Jesus is encouraging us to adore and to worship. Notice this is how prayer opens up. In this manner, therefore, pray. Maybe you've said those words, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Wow, that can be pretty rote. (laughs) That can be pretty routine. That can be pretty benign. That can be pretty passionless. That can be pretty simple. But how about as we lean into prayer today and this month here at church, in your own life, this new year, as we lean into prayer, our Father, you are so loving, you are so good, you are so faithful, holy and hallowed be your name. I worship and I praise you and I adore you because of who you are. You are in control. I can trust you. This is a beautiful picture to open up prayer of adoration and of worship. And the cool thing is that we get to practice this together as a church. So I don't want you to think this to be awkward or uncomfortable. Well, maybe it might be a little bit, but let me encourage you. This is our Father, and this is our family, and maybe the person that you meet or turn to who's standing around you today is going to be a new spiritual family of God member that you're going to meet today. And that's a good thing. You can learn their name, and you can pray just a couple of minutes, and we're going to do that together. I'm going to have our worship team come on up. But uh, a couple of things, actually, in closing here of our service this morning. One is, we're going to partake of communion today, and then we're going to break up into small groups, and we're going to have a guided prayer. I think we have prayer up there. There's something that uh, we can put. It'll be at the end for the songs of worship that are going to be on the screen. But three simple suggestions 
for prayer time with our small groups. And let me encourage you, just a couple of people. It could be the person who you came with. It could be somebody who's just around you. Just a couple of people, no big, massive circles or groups. Just turn around, introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Sherwood, I'm Jim, I'm Mary. And jump right in to prayer. And uh, those suggestions are gonna be up on the screen. It'd be, great, be a great opportunity. But in the meantime, let me pray for us as we prepare our hearts for communion. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this focus of prayer. And we acknowledge and recognize that we want to be praying people as you teach your disciples, as you teach us today. We don't want to be hypocritical. We don't want to be boastful. Uh, we want to come to you humbly and simply. And I pray, Lord, that you would pour out a passion and a desire for prayer in our church, in our homes, in our youth, in our kids, in our marriages, that as we seek you, Lord, you would be honored, you would be praised. Lord, you would break chains, you would deliver people, you would heal people, you would do a powerful work as you say when you pray. Well, today, Lord, we're gonna pray. We ask that you would move mightily in our midst. We thank you for the sacrifice of Christ on the cross that enables us to come into your presence, to be renewed and reconciled. And it's in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for joining us for the Quest Church San Diego Sermon Podcast. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you have any questions about the Bible, need prayer, or recently made a commitment to follow Jesus, we'd love to hear from you. Please visit questsd.com to get connected. You can also send us an email at info at questsd.com to let us know how God is using these messages to encourage you in your walk with Jesus. Until next time, we pray you have a blessed week.